Now you truly can rewrite your future with these powerful prevention techniques. Going from feeling hopeless in your health to feeling confident. To bring information and unleash the potential of our listeners to ask the right questions. It's my responsibility to take control of my own health. Welcome to the Ask Why Medicine podcast. Hello, and I'm Lorm Hooper here, and I'm with my Ask Why team with me, Dr. Gina Pritchard from Dallas, Texas area, and Patty DeMattis from Columbus, Ohio. And today we're going to ask why a continuous glucose monitor may help improve my overall health. So Dr. Pritchard, I'm going to have you kick us off today because you use this continuous glucose monitor to evaluate your patient's health when we're talking about cellular health, metabolic health. Um, Just introduce to our listeners how you're using that when somebody isn't even a diabetic. So how you're actually using this monitor as a way to evaluate your patient. Such an important topic, Laura and Patty. And um, I want to start with the fact that many people understand that In the past, we've gotten our blood sugar or our blood glucose level evaluated by going to the lab, getting our blood drawn. And oftentimes our doctors would tell us, go fasting because we want to know what a fasting blood sugar is. What's your blood sugar or blood glucose? We use those two two names synonymously. What is your blood sugar in the morning after you've had nothing with calories in it, nothing to eat overnight for about 10 to 12 hours? And uh, we know we want that number to be under 120. The whole world would agree on that now. It used to be a higher cut point. Uh, But even more recently in the uh, field of longevity, in the field of uh, cellular medicine, as you alluded to, Dr. Perlmutter, Dr. Bredesen and others, um, Dr. DeFranzo and the researchers uh, that actually gave us the the two-hour glucose tolerance test data. These experts in the field of avoiding or reversing type 2 diabetes tell us that if your fasting blood sugar, after you've had nothing to eat overnight, is greater than 95, maybe even greater than 92, 93, it's not a matter of when you'll get diabetes. It's a matter of It's not a matter of, excuse me, if you'll get diabetes, it's a matter of when. Will you live long enough to know that you have diabetes? And so that 120 cut point that the American Diabetic Association has out there says that even uh, one reading of 120 in the morning is not enough. You need two readings greater than 120 to have the diagnosis of adult onset diabetes. And we just know once you get to that point, We could have had clues much earlier, 10 years earlier, 15 years earlier, maybe 20 years earlier. So none of us want to get diabetes. We all know that. Um, It's a terrible disease. And if you have it for a long time, maybe even a short time, you can, you you know, blindness can ensue. You, like my grandfather, you can lose a limb to diabetes. It's a terrible disease. So we want to know very early. I say we want to know in pediatrics. Um, A lot of pediatricians are trying to get an answer to this question as we see so much obesity and metabolic syndrome and high blood pressure and and diabetes in, unfortunately, our children. But for sure, by the time you're in your 20s, you want to know your fasting blood sugar, but I say that's not good enough. 
What are other ways to know if you're headed towards diabetes? Besides the fasting blood sugar, now you know you want it under 95, for sure under 100, and then see if you can't get it even lower. But um, many of the women listening during pregnancy perhaps had a two-hour glucose tolerance test. So gestational diabetes can be dangerous. And so a lot of uh, obstetricians will do a two-hour glucose tolerance test on patients. Sometimes it's depending on what their fasting blood sugar is. Sometimes it's just a part of their routine practice. So if your one-hour blood sugar after you have drank that terrible sugary drink All the women listening know what I'm talking about. If you've been pregnant and had to take that awful orange or lime or punch flavored drink, it's got 75 grams of glucose in it and it's terrible. One hour after that, uh, and then this is back to Dr. DeFranzo and the other researchers on his team, demonstrated the fact that whatever happens in that first hour, everyone's blood sugar should be back to 125 at one hour after that sugary drink. And then at two hours should be down to 120. If that occurs, then we know that your pancreas, which is responsible for excreting the right amount of insulin to handle that glucose load, your pancreas is doing its job very well. That's what we practiced off of for many, many years. More recently, we have the continuous glucose monitor. And so if this is new to some of our listeners, The continuous glucose monitor is a small device that you put on your arm and you wear it for generally two weeks. It depends on which brand you get. And you get a continuous reading uh, throughout the entire time you're wearing it. And Patty and Laura, this has been incredibly insightful for all of us, hasn't it? To see what actually happens in our normal everyday life with the blood sugar, not just when you go to the doctor's office and drink one sugary drink at one day in your life. Well, Dr. Richard, I am still in shock by your very first statement. I want to go back to what you said, that if somebody has two readings over that 120, I mean, I'm a care coordinator. I'm looking at these in what we call real-time data, getting patients back, looking at patients. And that is just startling to me. Um, If you've never worn a good glucose monitor, I'm going to just say, right, it's one of the easiest things that we can do. And we'll talk about that. But the reason I'm in shock is that I would say almost every patient, not every patient, but handfuls of patients are looking at people's numbers. That's like the majority of people. Is that what you're telling me? I mean, I want to, I mean, I'm just sitting here like, wow, that's a, a big reality check for us. You know, part of what we try to do on this podcast is to pr- to promote a healthcare revolution in our country. And I know, Dr. Pritchard, you and I talked way back in episodes seven and six or whatever about what a problem diabetes is. And it's because of what you were saying that, you know, we um, in healthcare don't really do that test. I mean, you know, we need to do that two hour glucose test as a baseline for everybody, not just people who are pregnant. Right. But that doesn't happen. And just personally for me, I had really high um, blood sugars and had no clue because I didn't have the um, weight, you know, the, we, we typically think of people with diabetes as being heavy overweight and that's not true anymore. It's not true at all. And, um, so, you know, we really need to make sure that we're asking for the right tests. Just like, you know, well, if my fasting blood sugar is okay, um, as far as somebody's concerned, I should be more 
particular about that. I want it to be lower. So how can I actually be lower because I don't want to go to that devastating disease? So what we found is that, you know, to get the right tests and then, you know, to learn, okay, my blood sugar is high. My body's not exactly taking care of my sugar. And it's not just about what I eat, but when I eat and all that, and we feel like most of the time we're doing a good job with our eating, but what we've learned with the, with the continu- continuous glucose monitor, I say we learned too much. I'm, it's way too much information for me <laughs> because, you know, it's like, oh, I got to change a lot of things um, to make sure that I'm eating at the right time or whatever, so that I'm not getting those spikes. And uh, so I feel like when we give these monitors to people, they need to know, you know, what numbers they're looking for, how to set up the goals and how to actually start to live their life. So that they don't get peaks and valleys spiking and falling all day you know the goal is to keep it nice and rolling like the tide rolling really uh even so that we're not having those spikes and falls and bad numbers to work with so could you speak to that a little bit about what you're you're watching when you have a patient on the on the monitor yes absolutely and one thing i will say um leading up to that is i would say even a year ago maybe it was a little longer than that. Every patient that came to see us, we would have them go to the store. And these are things that our listeners can do today. Go to Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, most grocery stores, most pharmacies, and buy a glucometer, a finger stick blood sugar machine. And that's what I was advising patients a year ago. Uh, Get one and make it fun for the whole family, test the children, teach the teenagers how to check their fasting blood sugar, and then stick your finger and see what it is an hour after you eat, make note of what you eat. Um, And that's still not a bad approach to see what's happening every day with your normal diet and your normal activity, your normal um, sleep, et cetera, your normal way of living. And you can take that to your doctor and um, have a conversation about these readings. Keep a journal of what those readings show you. But um, fast forward to, to today when we're recommending the continuous glucose monitor because it gives you many more readings throughout 24 hours for two weeks. And um, we can see that waveform like you talked about, Patty. And so what we want to see at Rolling Hills, as you said, and you want your glucose to run or your blood sugar to give you a reading between 70 and 140, 24-7. And when you get your continuous glucose monitor and you get the start looking at the app, you'll see that this wearable device as we said, it just goes on your arm for two weeks. It was initially created for diabetic patients to actually dose themselves with their insulin. And so the goals on the continuous glucose monitor app are way too high for what you actually want for optimal health. That's what Patty and Laura and I and other like-minded professionals that want to prevent these devastating diseases that want to um, empower you to be a part of this healthcare revolution and ensure that you don't go down the path that perhaps your grandparents went down or your parents went down and have heart attack, stroke, diabetes, dementia. Well, your daily 24-7 blood sugar response to whatever's going on in your life is a key factor in avoiding those diseases. So you want your readings to range between 70 and 140 and equally as important is those rolling hills. So if it's 70 
and then you eat something, whatever it is. It might not even be candy. It could be a salad and um, a piece of toast. It could be whatever. It doesn't have to be sugar. You eat something and your blood sugar goes above 140. Let's say it goes to 150, it goes to 170, and it's a sharp upward movement. That's what we call these peaks. So if you have a sharp rise and a peak of whatever number above 140, and then you drop again suddenly, that tells us that all day long, your pancreas is struggling to try to keep up with what's going on in your life. And so we talked about uh, patients before we started this podcast and about how that's what we see in most patients, regardless of how high and how low, we see these sharp rises and these dramatic drops all day long and sometimes all night long, crazy as that sounds. And so you want it to look like just very easy rolling hills between 70 and 140. And we, for a long time, didn't we, Patty and Laura, we didn't think it was possible because ours, our personal ones, we haven't gotten there yet. And we all think, and we are, we're eating healthier and we're living healthier than I would say a majority of the population. And we're um, trying to be role models, right? But yet we are dealing with genetics. We're dealing with so many things that impact this blood sugar, not just genetics, the other thing that I've been shocked at the, that makes it difficult to get to those nice, easy rolling hills between 70 and 140 is everything else in our life. Stress, poor sleep. Um, exercise. You know, how, exercise, hydration. Yes, so many things impact blood sugar. It isn't just what you put in your mouth, although that is of key importance. Well, I love that you're talking about that. That's something that I just want to say from my personal experience. I mean, I can pass an A1C. I can cheat a two-hour glucose test. I mean, you know, you're going to send me in. And of course, before your doctor's appointment, you know, everybody eats better, you know, tries to get sleep, right? It's like, you know, the week before anything or a couple of days before we're being really good. Um, and I want to say that, that I know a lot of people who function that way, obviously as a hygienist, I see it all the time with my hygiene patients, right? They start flossing the week of their appointment. They haven't flossed for the past five and a half months. Floss the week after you see me and the week before. Um, and so I feel like this is the same thing is to understand that maybe on your blood work, if you're looking, you have been okay. You've been able to what I call, you know, kind of cheat the system because that is that average. You would never know that you're spiking what you're talking about, Dr. Pritchard, maybe up to 140 and then falling drastically down at night into the 60s. And that's, I'll share, that's exactly what I was doing. You know, I'm going up to 126, falling down to 60. And so my averages, if you start averaging that out, yeah, the average isn't so bad. But it's actually what you're talking about, that how hard is that on our body? And the other thing is, right, uh, your head, you have insulin resistance. You cannot handle what is actually happening, the load that we're putting on. The other thing is I do hear you saying 140 and I kind of want to clean that up just a little bit because you're not being as strict as you would be with a patient. And so I know that you like your patients way under that. And so I want to speak a little bit to what that healthy number is. Um, what would be ideal, like an actual ideal perfect number what would you say that would be for somebody who isn't worried about, you know, like thinks I'm healthy, right? Nowhere near diabetes. What would you like to see those, that more range be that closer range? 
Yeah. So I would say ideal would be to always have your numbers between 70 and 125. And uh, we have seen a few patients like that. It's rare. And we've done these continuous glucose monitors between Patty's practice and our practice, Laura, uh, on a lot of people. And it is rare to be between 70 and 125. It's rare between 70 and 140, but we've seen it. And really the reason I say 140 is because back to Dr. DeFranzo and team, um, we really don't know during that first hour after you eat something, is it okay if your blood sugar goes to 135, let's say at 30 minutes, but then it comes back down to 125 by one hour? Um, nobody's really done a study to look at that because we really haven't had this ability in real time with all of us out here living our everyday regular lives. And so I think um, that would be goal number one is to get it between 70 and 140. If you're there, then we'll start to tweak things because there's no harm in being between 70 and 125. But I like to check it a lot in that first hour and then in that second hour to just determine just that, Laura. Like, does it go to 160 and then back down to 125 in an hour? Well, we know that's not healthy, but what is healthy? Is up to 139, 140? Maybe. We don't know. So, Gina, you um, tell your patients then sort of how how to... Uh, set that because it defaults the the continu continuous glucose monitor defaults to something a lot higher like you said and so you would tell your patients we tell our patients that you know you need to set your goals in your in your app uh, so that you know you're not saying oh well I'm 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 good I'm within the goal but that's the goal that's not really for you. And then the other thing that um, when they see that they're getting out of that range, then they have to look at, we have to look at what we ate. And I know with myself, I would eat the exact same meal again. If I went really high and then had the, the drop and all that, I would eat that same meal again and take out something that I felt like might've been the culprit that I could have not eaten the next time. Like maybe I had a few bites of sweet potatoes or something like that, thinking that I could do that. And then the next time I ate the exact same meal, but left the potatoes out, then I could see that I didn't get that spike and fall as bad. So you learn what foods for you. Like I learned grain is really hard for me. I can't eat grains without spiking pretty high. So that's what the monitor really um, has done for most of my patients that I've been, you know, um, talking with about using it is that they learned, you know, when I ate certain food like rice, it would make it go really high. So I left that off the next time and I was much better. So I think that's what the glucose monitor will really teach us is, you know, what's the goal for me? What am I really trying to stay within? And then how can I do that with everything that I eat? Yeah, I think that's such a great example. And I think it's two things that it makes me think of. One is it's so common. Like everybody says, do I really have to give up gluten? Do I really have to give up all grains? And we think about celiac disease, which of course, gluten is just uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely has to be removed some, from somebody with celiac disease. But we also know it, it aggravates any kind of uh, leaky gut syndrome or intestinal permeability, a lot of GI problems. So gluten is a huge problem really as are so many grains because they are heavily processed. They're like a high calorie and low nutrient dense food. But to your point, Patty, the continuous glucose monitor is incredibly empowering for people that say, I think I can get by with some rice. I mean, even a sweet potato is a very healthy food. 
But if you don't pair it with other things just appropriately so, as you've stated, it can really throw things off. But grains are notorious. Regardless of your genetics, grains are notorious. And you hear that over and over again from all of our, um, you know, people that, such as Dr. Lustig and others who, who have told us about the importance of eating real food that's not heavily processed. And it's not so much the food, but what we've done to the food. And I would say that's true of of every category, except we really have to be cautious with those grains. But then another point, it's very empowering for the individual, but before they start, absolutely start with the diet. Yes. But before you start beating yourself up over, I can't even have like lettuce or, I mean, that wouldn't necessarily be true, but before you say, I can't eat lettuce and sweet potato or X, Y, and Z, Look at your last 24, 48, 72 hours and everything that occurred. I was shocked how much a person's poor sleep the night before impacts their blood sugar the next day. They could eat exactly the same thing as they had the day previous, but if they had a terrible night's sleep or went to bed late or woke up, they had an interruption in their sleep, It's it plays a big role. And it's that whole interplay between our nervous system and our need to restore our nervous system at night with good restorative sleep uh, it impacts us on a cellular level. And that's that's what's very empowering about this glucose monitor. And it's why it's really important for you to work with a healthcare professional or a nutritionist or a health coach that's well-educated on um, what to do about these things rather than just focus on the food. Big part of it, certainly the food, but everything else that occurs in your life impacts that as well. I just want to make a comment about that. It just came out of the pandemic and people are stressed out. People were staying up and watching the news. And I know everyone's talking about how they gained weight. Um, and some people weren't changing their diet. I know, yeah, the bags of chips and cookies. And, you know, it's amazing how I'm going to say bad food or processed food kind of comes with that. Um, so what you're saying, and then it's like this other layer of I am stressed. I am worried. Um, I'm not able to turn off, you know, we're talking about that nervous system, sympathetic parasympathetic system. It's like, you know, what state am I in? And I just kind of want to create a little awareness around what you're talking about, because some people aren't even aware that they're in one of those states, because it is like a chronic state. We've almost put ourselves in to say, oh my gosh, I need to take a moment, or I need to calm down, or I need to get that restorative sleep. Um, rest repaired. That's our, you know, autophagy where we say our cells are cleaning out, getting rid of the bad. Um, just talking more about that has everything to do with our metabolic health. So Dr. Pritchard, tell us how we can get our hands on a continuous glucose monitor. I know there's a few ways that even as a healthy person who just wants to, you know, get to optimal health, wants to see if this is even an issue, how can we go about doing that? So I would say, first of all, these continuous glucose monitors are available over the counter in other countries. So if you happen to be listening and you're traveling to Canada, for example, pick up several of them and bring them back with you. Uh, that's one uh, way to get your hands on a continuous glucose monitor. But if you're in the United States, it does require a prescription. And so just ask your healthcare provider. And if it's not something that your healthcare provider is comfortable with, I would say just uh, seek out someone who is either um, 
is a healthcare provider that is uh, involved in the uh, integrative dental medicine movement, or that's a member of the American Association of Oral Systemic Health, you can look on their website, uh, look for an MD, a nurse practitioner, a DO uh, on those websites. Also, um, if there is a directory, or there is a directory on the Bredesen Recode Protocol, as well as the Beldonine Method um, website. So those are places that you can go and just look for a healthcare provider that is more prevention, disease prevention and health optimization focused. Um, and so that would be one way to seek out a healthcare provider that would write a prescription and help you determine what these numbers mean for you. Um, the other way that you can start to get an answer, and they, as I said, as we started out this podcast, is to buy the old-fashioned finger stick blood sugar machine. It's not as helpful, but it is because you can't obviously spend all day sticking your finger and, and really getting these readings like you can wearing something for a solid two weeks. But it's a place to get started while you're trying to find a healthcare provider that will prescribe this for you. It is becoming more and more... Um, more and more acceptable. But um, as we have promoted on this Ask Why Medicine podcast, be your own advocate, ask your own questions, keep seeking out the healthcare provider that will help you make the changes and get the information that you know you need to, um, to live the, your optimal life. So remember to keep asking why. And today, ask why do I need a continuous glucose monitor? We know that you do. We want everyone to have that information, certainly if you're over age 18. But as I said, it's not wrong to get this information in our children as well so that we can start from a young age uh, incorporating these hacks. So thank you for listening today. And please be sure and subscribe to our channel. Listen to the Ask Why Medicine podcast on your favorite podcast app. And follow us on social media. We're Ask Why Medicine on Facebook and Instagram. And until next time, remember to keep asking why. <laughs>